Hey guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you for joining us for what is now episode number 121. These episodes are becoming quite the mouthful to pronounce now, but we're going to get stuck into the Q&A for today. So question number one is tips for gaining confidence on social media. How can I share my journey without being self-conscious? Man, I love this question, and I feel like it's a topic that is honestly relevant to so many people, including ourselves, but we've never really dived into it or discussed it. Yeah, I completely agree, and we can say for certain that we both struggled with this to begin with, and it's not really something that I know it exists for almost everyone, but at the same time, I haven't really thought about how much it does impact people for so long. Mm-hmm. Because it's quite easy to tell people, just be confident, just Mm. have confidence. But the thing is, before you have self-confidence or before you are self-confident, you have to build that self-confidence. And it's a journey. You can't just go from, let's take social media for example, because that was where the question was related, but you can't just go from not posting on social media at all to the next day, talking on the camera, on your stories, putting out posts every single day, having a podcast channel, putting yourself out there on YouTube. You can't just go from zero to everything because one, that's just unrealistic. And also that would be really daunting. Mm. You know, you, you have to take those baby steps and you have to build yourself up. And that's why it's important if you're just starting out to not compare yourselves to these people who have been doing this for years upon years upon years. So if you're just new to social media and you really want to start sharing some content, don't compare yourself to someone like Steve Cook or don't compare yourself to someone like Lauren Simpson. Just compare yourself to you Mm. because think about them. They started, right? Everyone has to start somewhere. And when you start, there's no denying that it is daunting. Yeah, I'm the first person to agree with that. And... I think looking at, like when I first met you, you always came across as someone who was very self-confident and you didn't really care what you put out on social media in, in a good way, as in like you, you shared your journey, you put out lots of cool, funky nutrition posts and <laughs> like, do, do you feel even back then when we first met or in the first year of uni back in 2015, like were you, uh, were you self-confident or were you self-conscious? I was still definitely in those early stages of building my self-confidence then. Mm -hmm. I certainly built it to a certain level by the time that we'd met in second year uni. But I think it's very normal, especially for kids coming out of high school and then transitioning into uni and then transitioning into adult life in general, because in high school, man, you know, we're all pretty egocentric. We're all kind of just thinking about ourselves and we all think that everyone else is thinking about us too and they're all Mm. judging us. But the truth is everyone's just walking around thinking about themselves, thinking that everyone else is thinking about them. (laughs) But you have to overcome that and you have to escape that high school mentality and be like, I'm a grown up now Mm. (laughs) and I can do whatever I want. And that's the thing guys, literally you can do whatever you want, say whatever you want, think whatever you want, be whoever you want to be. And as long as you don't intentionally hurt yourself, hurt someone else, hurt an animal, harm the environment or break the law, you're free to go. Be you. Yeah. And what I always, cause I, uh, I keep alluding to that. I wasn't the most self-confident mm. person, which is 
very true. And like in high school, I wasn't. And then towards in uni before I met you, I wasn't particularly self-confident either. It had definitely improved, but ultimately I think it's how you, who you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. because I went to an all boys school, uh, all boys schools are very typical for like paying each other out and, and I don't know, talking, talking chat and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that although I didn't directly relate it, my lack of self-confidence to that, I think it really did originate from that in, in basically whenever I would think about posting something, I didn't even have Instagram in high school. I was mm-hmm. one of those guys who, and I didn't get it until like towards the end of my first year of uni. I didn't, didn't even have a Facebook profile picture until like midway through 2014 in my <laughs> final year of school. Like I, if it actually, I completely forgot about that and it feels weird saying that, but mm-hmm. I've gone from that to where I am now, where I, I share my striated glutes on on social media for thousands of people to see. Gosh, you are on a completely different level now. Like we just watched your next YouTube video together Mm. and just seeing you obviously put together vlogs now and pick up a camera and just start talking to the camera and showing your journey, you're on a completely different level. But again, you didn't go from putting out your first Instagram post to now filming YouTube vlogs. It's it's gradually happened over years and years. Mm. Most certainly. and. I think it, for me personally, everyone will be different, but it really just did come down to who I surrounded myself with. Mm-hmm. And obviously the turning point for me was meeting you uh, in early 2016. And that's when I started confidently sharing my fitness journey. Before that, I had like four or five photos on my Instagram <laughs> and eat, like I would post, I remember you joking about this, how like I would post once once a month and (laughs) and then there's me i was like oh i posted this morning but should i post again and it was only like (laughs) lunchtime (laughs) yeah we were on two opposite sides of the coin there but remember we were on instagram back then in uni before there were even stories on instagram Mm. like it's changed a lot over the years when we first started out instagram was only posts and we were sharing our stories on snapchat Mm. (laughs) the good old snapchat days but i've had instagram since maybe like grade nine or grade 10 Mm. uh i need to go back and archive some posts (laughs) luckily they're like a few thousand down but i was thinking about that the other day i was like man i've still got some funky posts up Mm. there from high school so i know you're not going to archive them so listeners (laughs) go check out tiara's cringy photos (laughs) You can check out my cringy ones too. I think, uh, I, yeah, I had a bit more of a quality control. Oh gosh. But I remember when one, I wanted to start putting myself out there. Like I really started to develop my true self-confidence when I was in grade 12. Like mm. that was at the turning point for me where I just knuckled down. I just really wanted to focus on my studies, focus on my athletic endeavors, focus on my health. And I just didn't give two flying flips what anyone else thought. And because I didn't give two flying flips, I realized that everyone else, they didn't think a thing. Mm. (laughs) They weren't thinking about me. Everyone's just thinking about themselves. But regardless, I started to really build my self-confidence in high school. And then when it actually came to posting things on social media, I was learning all of these wonderful things about nutrition, exercise, science at uni. And I'm like, man, I've already got a year of bachelor studies under my belt. Like I want to start sharing some of these things. And it's very normal again to have that imposter syndrome because, you know, we are in a very saturated industry and it is easy to talk yourself out of it because you're like, 
oh, who am I? You know, like I'm just a uni student and I'm going to be posting this similar content to someone else who has a PhD in nutrition science. Why would anyone listen to me? Well, the thing is, is that people probably are going to listen to you if you are sharing authentic and good quality content because mm. most human beings, they're pretty friendly. They're not that judgmental. They're pretty supportive and they're very curious. So if you're putting out authentic and good quality messages and you're consistent with your content too, that's another huge thing is being mm, consistent with it. That's another ball game altogether. Oh, being consistent with your message. And I feel like we've, a, we've only just started being consistent this year, I would mm, say. Like, not, not just consistent with your posting, but like consistent with your message. Mm, and like, Well, at the same time, it's if you genuinely have a change of, if you change your opinion about something, that's, mm, that's very normal as well. Yeah, but what I was getting to is that uh, in the years building up to me actually having like a nutrition account, mm. um, I was posting, you know, just sort of pictures. Like I actually d used to do a lot of modeling. So mm. uh, I used... In, I know what you mean now. Yeah, yeah, in first year uni, I was posting all of these pictures of me from like photo shoots and stuff like that. But I, then I was like, man, my true passion lies in nutrition and I'm going to the gym every day. I want to start sharing these sort of things. Mm. And I remember the first nutrition post I ever did was a picture of a kale leaf <laughs> that I took in my old share house, like up against the cupboard wall. And I actually had it saved as a draft for like a good two weeks. I wrote this caption about the health benefits of kale, the queen of greens. I'm pretty sure it's actually still on my Instagram yeah. page, but I was so nervous to post that. Cause I'm like, I really care about this stuff. I'm so passionate about kale. I eat it every day in my in my smoothies. But like, who else is gonna care? But then I'm like, I care. I'm gonna post this. So finally, I posted this picture of a leaf, and I talked about all the health benefits of kale. And what do you know? I got a few comments like, "Hey, this is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think you even liked the photo." And that's when I had a crush on you. And I'm like, "Oh my god, even my crush thinks it's cool." But Anyway, you all got to start somewhere. I started with a kale leaf and look where I am now. <laughs> yeah, I think I started with a physique comparison. Mm -hmm. of, I remember that. Yeah, I think that was when, I think you were over at my house at the time. We'd eaten some pizza, homemade <laughs> pizza. And then I did that post and I got some overwhelming feedback. I think it was like the my mo the most successful post that I'd done. Like mm -hmm. I got lots of good engagement with it. So it goes to show that... And that was back when my following was just people that I knew from uni and high school. Mm. I didn't even have any anyone else following me and I still got some really solid feedback. And you get you have to remember that if if you're interested in something, chances are that there's gonna be a a lot of other people interested in that exact same thing unless you're uh, a very special individual. Yeah, uh, we're not lone wolves here. We're not. But and <laughs> even in such a niche like bodybuilding, which is a very subgroup of people, there's a huge industry for bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. So if you think you can't, no one's going to be interested in your uh, progress or your journey or the information that you have to put out, I would uh, venture to say that you're incorrect. I know. And I encourage so many of my clients to just share more things on social media because I'm like, Gosh. what's the worst that can happen? Literally. Yeah, exactly. And even if there is some jerk, right, who comments on it and they're like, this is stupid <laughs> or, you know, they you post I can literally <laughs> probably count on, on, I wouldn't even need one hand to, to, to count the number of negative comments I've had yeah. in throughout social media. Again, because if you're sharing good quality content and you're 
a good quality person and you're kind, it's very, very unlikely you're going to get that sort of feedback. Mm -hmm. Usually you only get hit with that if you are putting that sort of stuff out yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're taking jabs at other people, then yeah, you can expect them to jab back. But if you're a nice person, it's very unlikely that you're going to get someone judging you or being rude to you. And even if you do, they've already demonstrated that they are beneath you because usually people who take a jab at others, it's always from a sign of insecurity. Mm. Like they're already showing that they're trying to bring you down to their level and they're trying to bring you down because they don't feel very good about themselves. Mm. So even if that sort of person's judging you, why do you care about someone's opinion? Who's like that? You know, like the people are always scared that when they go to the gym that people are going to judge them and i remember when i used to work at uq sport and i would have consults with these girls and they were like you know i really want to achieve these certain body composition goals and i'd tell them you know like well we've got to start lifting weights and they're like oh i'm really scared you know if i got into the gym like everyone's just gonna judge me and laugh at me and in the consult room we had this window that looked out onto the gym floor and i'm like just take a look out of this window okay and there'd be a bunch of dudes well and ladies on the gym floor but i'm like just take a look at all these guys right like what are they looking at and they do a few bicep curls on the cable machine and then immediately they turn around and just check themselves out in the mirror yeah. okay every single gym is surrounded by mirrors and yeah you can argue oh you yeah man i'm just checking in on my form everyone's just checking themselves out everyone is just totally looking at themselves everyone's focused on themselves at the gym no one's gonna be like oh do you see that woman over there she's wearing uncolored socks or (laughs) whatever it may be and even if there is some random person at the gym who decides to take time out of their day and walk on the treadmill and just be like oh he could lose a little bit of weight or oh she could squat a little bit deeper yeah man it's like why do you care about that person's opinion like they've uh, literally they've already demonstrated that they're just a jerk yeah Hey guys, just a reminder that we don't just coach physique athletes, but we do coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Therefore, if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com or alternatively, click the link in the show notes below. Yeah, I don't have too much else to say. I think the important thing is just starting and Often the hardest part is starting and as soon as you do start, you will get some amazing feedback and potentially if if you do want to have a fresh start, maybe creating a new account and utilizing that method, that way you can uh, embrace that, that new industry head on. Like let's say you're a big fan of golf and none of your current friends or the people you've gone to school with or associate with are very interested in golf. That way you create a new account, follow lots of golf pages, interact with other golf pages. <laughs> and before you know it, you've built a community, you have some new friends and so on and so forth. You'll so. be in the swing of things. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> but the grass I, will be greener. Yeah. I love that idea. And, you know, the first thing is it's just starting, you know, just start and just be consistent. And again, be consistent with your message and be consistent with your posting. So if you do want to branch into the health and fitness scene, make sure that you are consistent with your message. Like the thing that gets a lot of people is when it is very conflicting. And that's why it might be really good to yeah have a 
personal account, like Mm. just for health and fitness, if you also do have a bit of a social life too, because it is very confusing when someone is posting on their main page, you know, pictures of kale smoothies and their gym workouts and telling everyone to live, get a health kick. But then you see them on their stories and they're clubbing on the weekends. They're getting Mm. drunk. You know, they're eating kebabs at 3 a.m. It's like, oh God. (laughs) Well, I would say I I don't, I honestly don't have like a a problem with people posting a variety of content, Mm. but as long as they don't I would say it's that's more down to the individual contradicting their own beliefs. Mm. Like they're kind of falsifying things a little bit if yeah. if they're promoting health and fitness and they're out every every single. I'm saying if they're doing it over the top, like they're drinking alcoholic to excess multiple nights a week. Like mm-hmm. that's obviously going out once in a once in anyway. Yeah, of course. I, I don't like, want to ramble want, on. I know what you mean. You yeah. want to practice what you preach, yeah. but like there's definitely there is a balance there. But uh, yeah, that's just something that I've seen. And I'm like, oh, it is hard to take this person seriously. Yeah. So that's definitely something that you do want to consider for sure. But man, just stay in your own lane and just don't feel like you necessarily need to have a PhD in some sort of topic in order to help people and give people helpful advice. And again, you don't have to tell people what to do. Like if you want to post a picture of something nutritious, some sort of healthy meal, or if you want to post a workout, you don't have to like explain to people the biomechanics of a squat. Mm. You can just share your journey and be like, hey, check it out. I hit a squat PB today. Or hey, check it out. Like. I really like this oatmeal recipe. You don't have to go into all of the details on the science behind it because I think that's what kind of holds people back and kind of holds them back from that imposter syndrome and thinking that, oh, I'm not educated enough to mm. talk about this. But yeah, guys, like people are nice. People I are supportive. I follow the majority of people personally because I'm invested in their progress, not because, not, and I'm me, like mm. I have different... Uh, I follow people for different reasons than other people, but I don't necessarily use Instagram as much for education. It's purely, it's more so like I watch YouTube, I watch YouTube for entertainment and to follow people's journeys, Mm -hmm. not quite as much for the education. I've got different resources for that. (laughs) We went to uni for that, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm the exact same. I love following people's journeys as well. And I guess the last thing that I just want to put out there too is that A lot of people are probably scared to take that step because everyone wants to be liked, everyone wants to be loved, everyone wants to be accepted. And some people are probably scared by the fact that, oh, some people might not like my content, some people might not like me as a person. And honestly, you kind of just got to be at peace with that because... Mm, That's why there's an unfollow button. Yeah, but also ask yourself, out of every single person you've ever had an encounter with on this planet... Did you like them all? Like, mm. would you want to take them all out for coffee? You know, <laughs> would you go for a walk with all of them along the river and have a two hour long chat? Probably not, you know? So if you don't like everyone, then you can't necessarily expect everyone else to like you. But mm. the most important thing is, is that you just like yourself and you're happy and you're content with who you are and you're putting yourself out there, your best self. And that's the best you can do. Yeah. And uh, I guess to finish up, like if anyone wants, needs a little bit of advice or needs a, a word or two, then just message us on TBD and uh, give us your thoughts and mm-hmm. we'll send some thoughts back as well. Yeah, but there's nothing better than seeing someone 
just putting themselves out there and being confident. It's very, very inspiring. Mm. Like I absolutely love it. So keep doing it. And if you haven't done it yet, take that first step. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Okay. So moving on to question number two, this one says, how can I increase my dietary diversity without it feeling like a huge inconvenience? Yeah, this is a good one. And essentially dietary diversity is important because it allows us to consume a variety of different nutrient sources and therefore have a variety of different nutrients to ensure that we're staying on top of our nutrient demands to keep Mm -hmm. using that word. And a lot of people lack dietary diversity for that reason. It is, it is inconvenient at times and it does require some effort rather than just having chicken, broccoli and rice for every meal. Uh, it, it does, you are going to put in some input to vary that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the thing is, is that guys, this is your life and it's your body and mm. ultimately your body, it's your best friend and it's your home that you're going to be living in for the rest of your life. And mm. if you want to be a centenarian one day <laughs> and live to be over 100 years old, you got to pay attention to this nutrition stuff and you got to put in a little bit of effort yeah. and focus on what you're putting into your body so you can live your best life. Mm. And I think it is even a misconception. Some people really do think that it is a good thing to have like chicken, broccoli and rice mm-hmm. every single day. And unfortunately, that it's not going to kill you, that's for sure. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you could be doing better in terms of your nutrient diversity and having the same healthy foods every day uh, again is is brilliant it's better than having unhealthy foods every day uh, by a long stretch but there there is room for improvement on that and Tierra and I ourselves have been guilty of that at some stages in our lives purely mm-hmm. for the sake of convenience and for certain goals like prep where we just want to keep things very similar uh, but we're, we're both making an effort right now to, to maximize that diversity. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to that chicken, rice, and broccoli argument, there's usually this back argument where people will say, well, it's better than having McDonald's every single day, <laughs> or it's better than having this or that. And I'm like, well, two wrongs don't make a right. Like, mm. again, we need more diversity in here, man. Like, think of your diet as the Amazon rainforest. You go want plenty of different plants and plenty of different animals in there. Mm. <laughs> And that's totally true. And I think you can still eat very similar things every day and have dietary diversity. Mm. It's just about how you comprise that day of eating. So for example, let's say you have four meals a day, you could have a different carbohydrate source at each of those meals, could have a different protein source, a different dietary fat source, and different fruits and vegetables throughout the day. And let's say you eat have 30 different types of, of plant sources. So that would of course include like fruit, vegetables, the whole grains, you have different protein sources, different fat sources, and and some people can achieve enough diversity just by that alone. And let's say you eat slightly differently on the weekend, so you meal prep Monday to Friday, and then on the weekend you have yet more diversity. Often it's referenced to have, uh, I think it's, is it 30 different? 30 different plants per week. Yep. And remember, plants aren't 30 different fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Like Jack alluded to, it includes things like your grains, all of your pulses. So that's mm-hmm. like your beans or your legumes, your chickpeas, and even things like your herbs and spices. Mm-hmm. And nuts and seeds. Yeah, nuts and seeds as well, like avocado, olives, mm-hmm. all this good stuff. Yeah. They're all plants. So if you get a mix of rice and quinoa, uh, that's that's two. If you get a four bean mix, you've just mm-hmm. ticked off four different 
plant sources right there. And this is why it's really important too to actually pay attention to the original plant source because someone could be like, oh, my diet is super diverse. I have wheat bix for breakfast, I have a sandwich for lunch, <laughs> and then at dinner time I have pasta. And I'm like, that's really cool, but that wheat, it's just in different forms, but mm. you're still eating Assuming you're wheat. eating wheat bread and wheat pasta. Yes, yeah. So assuming that the original plant was wheat, but again, that's not very diverse. Mm. But it is easy to solve because you can still solve. have those wheat bix at breakfast. You can have some cornbread Ooh, at, some at lunch. cornbread or some rye bread. Rye bread. And then for you can have some uh, brown rice pasta for, for dinner. So you can still have those same things, but just create more diversity. And it's, it's a lot simpler than people expect because personally what I do is I look at my meal and I think people, it's very rare for people to have full-on degustation menu meals that they prepare for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's, it's often just a protein, a carb, and a fat sauce okay. whacked together cook it up, microwave it, chuck it in a bowl, whatever it is, and then it's ready. So it's very easy to just sub those out with different options. And that's what I've been doing quite a lot as well. So I've been, for example, I've recently started having polenta. Occasionally I'll have brown rice instead of polenta. And then I'll, I've, sometimes I'll add passata to that meal, which is basically um, blended tomatoes. Sometimes I'll use egg whites. Sometimes I'll use kangaroo mince. So it, in essence, it's the same thing, just with different sources. Yeah, and that's why it really pays off to actually do a dietary recall or have a dietetic consultation with a dietitian mm. so that they can really analyze your entire current dietary pattern and help you come up with some modifications and some strategies for, hey, how can we get some more diversity in here? And how can we ensure that you are hitting all of your micronutrient targets? Because that's the whole goal mm. at the end of the day. Yeah. Ultimately, that's why you want to be incorporating different sources of carbohydrates, different sources of protein, different sources of fatty acids into your diet so that you can really get a whole host and array of different micronutrients because for example, different sources of protein, some might provide you with more calcium than others. Some might provide you with more iron than others. Some might provide you with more omega-3 fatty acids than others. When it comes to carbohydrate sources, if you're thinking about grains, different types of grains have different types of particularly B vitamins. And for fruits and vegetables, obviously you're going to get a huge diversity of different vitamins and minerals there, particularly water-soluble and fat-soluble vitamins. And when it comes to fat sources too, some are gonna be monounsaturated, some are gonna be polyunsaturated, some are going to be saturated. So it's really important to have a large diversity there so that you can pretty much tick every single micronutrient box. Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular content on our Instagram and YouTube channel. You can find those platforms by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians. See you there. And another huge thing as well, and it's not only gonna help you save money too, but eating foods in season. So if you are fortunate enough to live near a fruit market, or even if you don't live near a fruit market, you can certainly still identify which fruits are in season if you go to like your local supermarket, something like here in Australia, Coles and Woolworths. I've always thought, Jack, in other countries, do they ever hear the names like Coles and Woolworths? And they're like, 
that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we think the same about Walmart, maybe. Uh, I grew up in Canada, and the grocery store that we shopped at was called Save On Foods. Mm. And I think I'm like... Plain and simple. That is <laughs> literally what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to save on my foods. Mm. <laughs> and the, like here in Australia, the chemist, it's called Chemist Warehouse. Mm. In Canada, we shopped at this place called London Drugs. Again, plain and simple. Going to, going Drugs to... from London. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't know if they're legal. Uh, anyway, back to the food diversity. Guys, you know if fruits and vegetables are in season because they're generally the cheapest and they're being sold in abundance. So if you stay to like the outskirts of the supermarket, so you stay to like the fruits and the vegetables and generally meats, I wouldn't say that necessarily meats are in season, but they have sales on them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, all of those things. So, and you don't, you can still obviously go in the inskirts of the supermarket, but stay toward more of the fresh stuff. You have an opportunity. It'll to... always be on, on, as you walk in, it'll always be on display. Usually mm -hmm. the, the sale stuff. Yeah. But in Australia, at least what I particularly love, especially living near like a discount fruit barn is I can go there. And I'm like, Oh cool. You know, this variety of apple is only nine cents a kilogram this week. Uh, like, or this sort of vegetable, I, I can mix things up and that just naturally adds in more diversity because I'm like, Oh, last week I had eggplants in my stir fry this week. I'm having some capsicum. Mm. Like you just mix it up. So that's really good too. But I think it really comes down to plain and simple. Like if you have three or four meals per day and they all have a carbohydrate, a protein, a fat source, and some sort of other plant source, like a fruit or a vegetable, then just try to have it a little bit different in each meal. And of mm. course there can be some crossover. Yeah, of course. You can eat your bread and you can have <laughs> your wheat bix, man, like freaking go for it. Mm. But just do take, look at these things or consult a dietitian and have a good look because you might learn a thing or two. Mm. Like if you're having, I know some people eat wheat bix and Vegemite, believe it or not. Wow. But if you're having wheat bix and Vegemite for breakfast and then having a, a Vegemite sandwich for lunch, like that's mm -hmm. quite obviously, that's a, you're lacking some diversity there. Yeah. But it's, I think the big things are really just your grains, your meats, mm. and also your vegetables as well. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, uh, what's the next question? So the final question for today is top tips on taking good progress photos. <laughs> Emphasis on good. So I guess the good might come down to a little bit subjective, <laughs> right? Like how good do you look in these photos? But heck, there actually are some top tips that you mm. can implement to have good quality progress photos. Yeah. And one of the best tricks slash hacks in the book guys is to actually not take photos at all, mm -hmm. but actually take a progress video. So I think I taught you this. Did you? Yeah. I'm going to claim this one. I okay. Think. You, well, I definitely know that back in the day I was that person running back and forth between the camera on like self timer. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I only got 10 seconds. <laughs> well, it helps that the front facing cameras are so much better these days as well. Yeah. But I was back in the day, like the front potato. facing camera, <laughs> it was literally a potato, but guys, best hack in the book. Don't take photos, take a video, especially mm. if you have one of the good quality iPhones these days, it's phenomenal, the quality of the video, but essentially you just set up your camera on video and starting from the angle, don't put it super low. Don't put it super high. I'd say put it like right at torso height. Yep. 
and you want to video yourself in natural lighting. And Preferably with the light shining onto you from mm-hmm. the front. So ideally uh, with a window in front of you. Yeah. And I would recommend pretty much wearing the exact same thing every mm-hmm. single time. This more goes for girls rather than guys. Like you could wear a different color of underwear, but mm-hmm. your underwear is always going to look the same. For some girls, you know, sometimes you might wear a thong. Sometimes you might wear like more briefs or whatever it may be and or like a different cut of bra one might cut across your back one might have straight straps one might not have straps at all try to keep these variables as consistent as possible so set up your camera at torso height and film yourself natural light preferably shining onto you wear the exact same thing have it be full body don't cut off Mm. your head don't cut off your feet have a good space above and below your body and then film. That's, what, that's the biggest thing I see is people cutting off and mm. it makes comparisons because ultimately not just for us as coaches wanting to compare, but for you as well, like you want to be able to compare the same angles. And if if half your foot's cut off in one and then your left eyebrows cut off in the <laughs> other one, then it's, <laughs> I don't know how it would get slanted been, like that. I'm impressed. <laughs> but yeah, ideally, and it's not hard. You just step a little bit further back, make sure you're fully in the frame and then turn to the front side and back. Yes, exactly. So I'd say, yeah, uh, just front side, back and side, all relaxed. And then obviously you can do some poses as well because Mm. that's what really gets some people down. They're like, I can't see my progress. I don't understand. And I'm like, well, you are just standing just plain and flat, totally relaxed Mm. to this screen. You can see the changes in a relaxed photo, then you've made some very solid (laughs) changes. And that's usually when you can just identify those things like, oh, you know, your waist is significantly smaller. Mm. You know, like you have a gap now between your thighs or you don't have a gap now between your thighs. Your glutes are rounder from the side. But definitely as coaches, we teach our clients how to pose in their progress photos. If it's relevant for for their... Mm category yeah Yeah, but it just helps to give you justice Mm. right because especially in a back pose everyone's done like a back relaxed progress photo and they're like where the flips is my muscle you know like actually teach someone how to flex and they're like oh damn there's my lats there's my traps there's Mm. my biceps so it really helps to give your uh physique justice too but Yeah, those are definitely the top tips and how to take them. And again, you're videoing it and then you have the video and then you can just take screenshots from the video to have your photos. And again, it's so important to make these variables consistent so that you can make true accurate comparisons. You can put two photos side by side and everything is identical other than your physique, Mm. because you've changed, man. You've grown more muscle or maybe you lost some body fat, but you and your coach can confidently look at two photos side by side and say that you've changed, not the lighting changed, the angle changed, Mm. your underwear changed, your eyebrow changed. (laughs) Okay, so, and you know, tracking progress, that's such a huge component of a fitness journey. So do it right from the start, Mm. yeah. Yeah, I think uh, those are some great tips. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the biggest one is is once you do it once, it'll become easy the rest mm-hmm. of the time. You'll know how far back to stand. You'll know the positioning for your phone. And what I do is just lean it up against something. And Well, I'd say you and I are both pretty darn good in the photo taking department now. So we do take photos of each other, mm. but we've become very accustomed to it. And we know exactly how to take them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are just atrocious at taking photos, man. <laughs> I know that when you and I are out, like, let's say that we're at Nudgy Dog Beach and I'm like, oh, let's get a photo with the dogs. Like, but you have to pick someone random on the beach to take a picture mm. of you. Some people pick up your phone like it's like some alien device <laughs> slash hot potato. And it's like they don't know what to do with it. And it just like they don't hold it. Like front ways, they put it on landscape, and then like I, see, I find that it's people's instinct for some reason to 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 put it landscape. I don't God, know why. What's with them putting it on landscape? And also, what's going on what, Instagram, dude? What's with people <laughs> like zooming in? I'm like, can you just take one or two steps forward? Like, you don't need to zoom in on the camera. Don't you know that ruins the qualities? <laughs> <laughs> like some. Ah! Uh, you have to be very selective with who you choose mm. to take your pictures. I mean, to be fair, we're very picky about it. And yeah. it's like, that's, yeah. Usually, like, if I approach someone, like, when I try to, like, suss them out first, I'm like, will this person be a decent photographer? And also, I give them instructions. I'm like, don't hesitate to, uh, like, take, take a, a whole bunch. bunch because I can just delete them later. So I yeah. pretty much just tell them, hold it like this, press this button, and spam away, <laughs> and I'll pick one. <laughs> By yeah. the way, guys, when you see a picture... On Instagram, there's probably like another 150 in the photo album mm. that someone actually had to favorite out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was our podcast today. But what we always finish on is one thing that we learned this week. So what did you learn? I learned this week from a new, would you call it a documentary? What we've um, been watching with Zac Efron? Yeah, or maybe a docu-series maybe. Mm. Or it's slightly... Uh, informative content. So. Yeah, I really like it. So yeah, we it started. Good. It's called Down to Earth with Zach. With yeah, Zach or Zach Efron. Or yeah, something. Zach Down to Earth. It's it's this new Netflix series, and it's actually really cool because mm, it's very watchable. Yeah, I like it because it's like a style of vlog. Mm. It's with Zach Efron, who was totally my childhood crush. Him and all of his High School Musical. Anyway. <laughs> um, Anyway, it's with Zac Efron. And <laughs> you got a bit flustered there. <laughs> uh, he's just, he's beautiful. Not going to lie. You guys look pretty alike, though. I'm pretty lucky. Anyway. I'm not quite as hairy as him. No, he's got a, he's got a few hairs on that chest. Yeah. Anyway, it's with Zac Efron. He's traveling the world. And it's like a vlog style, but it's also pretty semi-educational. I, mm. I really enjoy it. It's very watchable. Educational in quotation marks. Some but, of the stuff is quite interesting. But, but I did learn something. Well, I've learned a heck of a lot of things from it. But I actually learned that the most popular area in the world for centenarians. So that's how you pronounce it, right? Centenarians. Yeah. So people who live to be over 100 years old is over in Italy. Mm. Yeah, so that's what I learned. I also learned a lot of other things. Like if you have a banana tree, you've got to cut down the whole tree. You can't mm. just take the bunch of bananas off the top. Yeah. And every banana tree only grows one bunch of bananas. Yeah, I mean, you just stole what I was going to say. But I do have another fact as well from that series of in which, which was it Paris? Yeah, it was Paris, how they have sparkling water fountains, which mm. I think is is neat like i would definitely be taking a walk there every day yeah perry it's so cool they have this amazing public water system where mm. just everyone has access to free clean water and they don't sell any bottled water if you actually go to a vending machine you have to buy an empty water bottle yeah. which is probably made from like recycled material but then you buy an empty water bottle and then you go to one of the fountains around paris and you fill up your water 
Awesome. Yeah, it's a great system. Yeah. I didn't even know that. They've had it for years. I went to Paris in 2012, and I didn't even know that. Mm. Anyway, guys, that was our podcast today. Hope you enjoyed it. But if you did enjoy it, please remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag the Bodybuilding Dietitians, and we will catch you for our next episode for Road to 2023.